Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to The Friendly Outsider. I'm Jay, I'm The Friendly Outsider, and it's been a while since I did a podcast, but I figured it's about time. So here I am. You can see I got a hell of a backdrop behind me. I, uh, fortunately, when all this COVID thing landed, I happened to be in one of the more beautiful places in the world. I'm in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. Um, my hometown, the place where I grew up. And you know, when I grew up here, I realized it was a pretty place. And as I got older, I was like, oh, this is really nice. But it's only after getting out in the world and then coming back that I realized, damn, this place is crazy. I'll just stand up. Sorry for you audio listeners, you can't see. But for any of our video listeners, you can see I've got quite the backdrop behind me just of mountains and nature and sky. It's pretty crazy. Um, just walked up here from my parents' house where I've been spending my COVID time um, and a little bit more. So I've been avoiding doing a podcast. Well, not avoiding. I don't want to capitalize on the pain and stress of the time that people are going through. So I haven't wanted to do a podcast until I had something I thought was relevant to say that I feel is, you know, not necessarily it could be said in another time rather than this one because it's, it, you know, it's the whole COVID thing that has put me on to this. But, you know, uh, I don't feel I'm capitalizing on that, even though what I'm about to talk about is, is very COVID related. Um, and, you know, Anytime I talk about something, I generally use my own experiences as an anecdote to relate to that. And I thought I'd just talk about some of my thoughts on how things are going and where we're at right now. Um, so I'll start with a bit of a catch up on my life. Now, it's weird because I just literally two seconds ago said I'll talk about some of my own experiences. And I'm going to follow that up with a comment that I don't really like to talk about myself that much. <laughs> At least I don't intend to on this podcast. And that's totally false <laughs> but I I guess I have certain things I do want to talk about certain things I don't you know and um, one of the things just generally in life I am not all that comfortable talking about that I don't really intend to talk about a whole lot even in this podcast overall but is something that's pretty relevant to this specific um, episode is uh, you know personal health issues um, I'm a person who believes in good health I exercise and I eat healthy and I've been doing that for a few years I've been exercising for about 13 years consistently before that I was like mountain biked everywhere but I actually got onto a, a decent exercise regimen starting about 13 years ago although you know it was on off on off and then the last couple of years I got really into yoga which was on essentially I didn't turn that off and um, just loved it um, and when I moved from Japan to Australia I really focused, I wanted to learn to cook because uh, it was hard for me to cook in Japan. I didn't have a lot of access to affordable Western ingredients, I guess is probably the thing I'd say. Um, and also I just didn't really know how to cook. And so I took that kind of as a new challenge when I moved to Australia, I wanted to focus on on learning to cook delicious foods. And that's what I did. And I, I spent the few years there, I learned to cook a lot of soups and, and I was eating, um, you know, eggs and oatmeal and yogurt and, and fruits for breakfast and just trying to maintain a fairly healthy, um, you know, lifestyle overall because I was overweight at an earlier time in my life by a good bit. Um, that's what originally got me started exercising 13 years ago. And, uh, and when I had a son in particular, I, it, I didn't 
want to die while he's still young. I had a, a boss who died when I was in Japan who was young. He was, uh, I think, 47 or something like that with like a 15-year-old son. And it was, it was a sad time. I remember thinking, wow, his son's still in junior high school. And I didn't want that to happen to my son. Now, that my old boss who died, it wasn't um, uh, from eating. I mean, he, he unfortunately got cancer and that's just the way it went. But I want to, you know, try and up my odds. And so I ate healthy. So um, I came to Canada and, you know, I was here for a couple of months and I started feeling unwell. I'm not really going to go into a lot of the details um, because, as I said, it's not necessarily something I do feel all that comfortable talking about. But I had a health issue. I had to check into the hospital um, and spent five or six nights in the hospital in Vancouver. And fortunately, I'm in my homeland with my loving parents who came up from my hometown, Kamloops, which again, for those video watchers can see behind me. Um, and, you know, I came back and stayed with my parents. So this was at the start, of very start of March. So it was before everyone was quarantining. Um, but, you know, we were just starting to know about COVID. I have friends and family in Japan. So, you know, I was concerned about what was going on there. So I was kind of on top of COVID a little before everyone else since it sort of hit there with the cruise ship before everywhere else. Um, so I started quarantining early because, you know, after surgery, you're a little immune compromised and I was healing and uh, and so... I got onto quarantine and then COVID kind of kicked in. And then all of a sudden everyone was isolating around the whole world, really. And wow, what a year it's been. It, it, you know, it's crazy. So one of the reasons I didn't want to talk about or do a podcast is because, you know, I've had this medical issue that I've had to deal with and it sucks. But who am I to complain I mean, everyone's going through something right now, pretty much. Not Well, everyone is going through something right now because even if you're the most prosperous person ever and in a safe place or whatever, it's still not the same world it's been. So no matter who you are, what your socioeconomic status is, what your location is, pretty much everyone in the world except for really, really isolated tribes are going through something right now. So, you know, I've had these issues, um, and they're my issues, and I've talked about them with people around me, of course, but I have wanted to do a podcast on that because everyone's got their own stuff going on. And especially right now, um, you know, it's sometime in the future, if people are watching this when I'm watching it right now, America is essentially burning down. Um, there's riots going on, people protesting the murder of Floyd George by a police officer there. Um, and... Yeah, that's a rough situation. And, you know, there's people out there fighting injustices in a time when we're being told we're supposed to stay inside. And that's a hard thing to resolve, I think, probably for a lot of people. Like, do I go out and do what I really believe is the right thing to do that any other time in the past hundred years, essentially? I mean, not exactly, but any other time for quite a while, it would have been safe to go outside and do this. And therefore, very important to do it. All of a sudden, we have a health issue where it's, I want to go out and do something. Like, for example, let's say you're a young black male. You want to go out and protest the murder of unarmed young black males, except that maybe you're going to get COVID and die. So, it 
makes for a really difficult decision. And that kind of brings me on to what this episode is about, is about uncertainty and where to go forward. And so coming back to my own situation, actually, before I come back to my own situation, I just want to acknowledge all the pain, all the stress, all the difficulties everyone's going through. And, uh... What can I say that someone else hasn't already said? So I'm not going to say a lot other than if you need help, please try and find it. Because people do need help at this time. Not, you know, sometimes financial, sometimes emotional or whatever. I can't imagine being a person alone in an apartment in a shoebox in New York right now. Where you can't go outside, barely, you know. Um, so if you need help, please try to find it. And it, and it sometimes that can be really hard, but people seem to also be pretty open to listening and doing what they can to help right now so anyways i'm sure someone else has already said that so i just don't want to keep rambling off with a bunch of cliches here so i'm going to move forward so i had this health issue and then i healed because i'm healthy you know i was pretty healthy going into all this and uh and i've been staying with my parents and fortunately you know we're in a location where there's we have access to a lot of uh, very good quality food so i've been eating, and my parents like to eat quite healthy a lot of garden growing food so i've been eating quite organic and and a lot of you know good healthy like ethically grown chickens and stuff like that um, and my parents don't eat red meat, so I, I, you know, I, I adapt to the eating patterns of those with whom I'm accommodating at a given time. And in this case, it's a non-red meat eater, so I haven't eaten a lot of red meat other than the occasional Wendy's burger. And they are not a sponsor of this podcast, but damn, are Wendy's burgers good, I gotta say. Coming back to Canada, that has been my guilty pleasure. Mmm. Dave Single, bueno. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so... Um, I'm not looking for sponsorship from Dave's either, by the way, or from Wendy's either, by the way. But if you want to slide me a couple free burgers, I definitely won't say no. Anyways, uh, I haven't been eating a lot of red meat, but I've been eating quite healthy and that has helped me get better and it's been good. So I am healthy and, you know, because I went into this healthy, it's been easy for me to recover. Not easy, but it's been a fairly smooth road to recovery. Um, And so now I've caught up to the rest of the world um, that, uh, you know, unfortunately for the rest of the world got slowed down to my pace while I was recovering from surgery. Um, But actually the world is still slowed down, you know, it's just starting to open up. So here where I am in British Columbia, Canada, we were on uh, not a lockdown. We weren't legally required to be at home. We were requested stay at home request. I, I don't see. I don't actually understand a lot of the details because I was staying in before everyone else started staying in, and I'm still in when everyone else has sort of started going out. So I'm not uh, exactly clear on what the world out there is like. To be honest, I haven't been out much in the past few months, other than a few doctor's appointments and a few times shopping with my parents to like the grocery store, but very, very little. Um, so oh, I'm getting eaten literally alive right this second by these mosquitoes. Get off me, little guys. Um, so I'm healed. I'm ready to get out in the world. The world's not entirely ready to be gotten out into, but it is getting there. And I had an opportunity to go live in a neighboring city named Kelowna, which is a very beautiful location on this planet. I have never really been there much, though, even though, well, both even though and also because it's a nearby city um, that's of a roughly similar size. I never went there because, as a, uh, you know, 
I think I always just thought there wasn't that much difference from there than here. The climate's somewhat the same. They're on a lake or on a river. Um, I didn't realize it's actually quite a different socioeconomic climate there. It's actually quite a bit. Uh, they've got a good bit more money there, I believe. And there's a lot of millionaires there. And I know Arnold Schwarzenegger has a, a home there and other people, some of the, maybe Charlie Sheen, can't remember. But it's, it's known. A lot of celebrities own places there because it's beautiful. It's wine country. There's a lot of wine there. Um... And so I got an offer to go live there and stay there. And that interested me and also created a bit of a, a ponderance. What do I do? So that kind of brings me to what this podcast is about, this episode. And it's making decisions in a time of uncertainty. And, uh, you know, pardon my language, but goddamn, if there was ever a time of uncertainty, it's right now. Um... Now, I say that and still mean it, even though I'm going to kind of add a bit of an addendum to that. It is right now because the whole world is feeling this right now. We're in a lot of uncertainty. But this actually isn't my first brush with uncertainty. And many people deal with uncertainty in their lives. And, uh, you know, stability is actually a pleasure of the, of the more economically fortunate. You know, it, uh, there's... Unfortunately, a lot of the people in this world who don't have as much money often don't get the pleasure of stability and certainty. Um, you know, certainty to some degree is a first world... Um, what's that word they keep using? White privilege. That's what I'm looking for, privilege. Like, um, you know, it's and I literally mean that as a privilege. Some we get in the first world because we have jobs and economies and governments to keep everything stable, which allow us to to feel sure of the lifestyle in which we live and the homes in which we buy and enable us to be willing to do things like take out 30 year loans or whatever on a home because we feel we'll be able to to navigate our way through the economic climate to be able to pay that that rent. Whereas if you're in a poor nation where you're struggling for food every day, and maybe even shelter, but you know, it's high. Who's going to make a 30 year commitment, right? It's more, I think that's a generational commitment. So certainty is something we have a privilege of. And I, I don't like to use that word because it's, it's uh, sort of loaded these days, but I, it is the app appropriate word in this case because you know it's something that is not something afforded to those often in less certain times so getting back to my own circumstance 2011 march 3rd no 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 march is the third month <laughs> march 11th 2011 311 you know we hear about 911 a lot well if you're someone from japan particularly a foreigner who's living in the English bubble in Japan and the English lifestyle, 311 is a term that comes up a lot. And that was the, the great Tohoku earthquake. And I know I'm getting it the wrong name here, but essentially that was the big earthquake and tsunami and then um, nuclear meltdown of Fukushima that we had in 2011. I was in Yokohama at that time, which was not so close to the epicenter, fortunately not in the path of the tsunami, but close enough that it was a shaker. We felt it big in Yokohama. There were a few buildings that were never to be um, used again. You know, they had to be taken down, though not many, because if there's one thing I learned from that earthquake, the Japanese sure know how to build buildings to survive earthquakes. Wasn't the earthquake that caused problems in Japan. It was the tsunami and, and then Fukushima. Um, but, 
you know, this whole story could be its own podcast at some point. So I don't, I, I'm going to delve into it enough to have some detail on it, but not enough that I remove the entire um, ability to like just have a storytelling episode someday about that event. But when that happened, um, I was in my office and the big one happened and you know in 17 years in Japan I went through a lot of earthquakes of varying sizes that was the only one I ever ran outside for and I ran down the stairs uh and I stood out in the street and it, it swayed for like five or six minutes which in earthquake times is ridiculous usually an earthquake is you know 30 seconds is a long one 10 seconds is is a standard small one that you feel just and you're like oh what's that Okay, I'll go back to work kind of thing. Um, so five, six minutes is a long time. I met the girl in the office next to me for the first time during the earthquake. Had enough time to shake, introduce ourselves, talk about it. Cause, but we're like, kind of like surfing, you know. We're sort of like squatted low in the middle of the street. Well, parking lot because we'd run outside to the parking lot across from our building. And the whole, you know, world is shaking. And I'm, Anyways, let's see. The next morning I got a call. I'm not going to go through the full details, but the next morning we had a call from a guy I was working with and he told me Fukushima was melting down. Now, Fukushima was a few hundred kilometers from Yokohama. Now, the thing about radiation is once you get it, you got it. It's there for the rest of your life. Now, I didn't know that much about radiation at the time, but I did know it was bad. When I was young, I grew up, uh, when Chernobyl happened, what was that, around 86? So I think I was 10. So uh, it was like kind of a boogeyman in my head. I knew it was really bad. It was something you didn't want to deal with. So I got a call. I got woken up at, uh, you know, 11 a.m. on March 12th, 2011, the day after Fukushima. And it was like, or sorry, the day after the earthquake and tsunami, it's like Fukushima's melting down. I'm like, where's Fukushima? Northeast of Tokyo. How far? A couple hundred kilometers. I woke up and I said to my wife, I said, pack the stuff. We're going. She said, where are we going? I was like, west. <laughs> Away. Didn't know where we were going. Didn't know what was going to happen. But I just wanted to get as far away as I could because I, you know, we'll figure that out. Um, I'd only just started a business. Unfortunately, I had saved up some money to start that business. So I had... A bunch of cash in a bank account, not a whack, and it was supposed to be to start my business, but, it, you know, in times like that, you just, well, I shouldn't say you. In times like that, people make decisions based on the best thing they can do, and that's, I'm going to get to that point later, but I did what I thought was right, and we just packed up, and we started driving west, and it was crazy, it was hard to get gas, because there was long lineups, like blocks long for the gas station. And we went to a grocery store and it was being pillaged. And I don't mean looted like riot style in America these days, you know, sorry for all the people. But I just mean there was so many people buying everything, you know, and I, I it was panic buying. And it, you know, the thing about panic buying is it's not like, ah, I need to buy, you know, it's not people literally freaking out. It's when it's group think panic. So it's when the group is panicking on an individual level, it's actually quite coherent and rational at the time. You're, you're aware of what's going on and, but you're in the grocery store and people are buying a bunch of stuff and it's like, well, I don't know what's going to be here tomorrow or the next day. It's uncertainty. So you buy some stuff. So I bought like a loaf of bread, which I didn't even bear the e bread at the time. And I, I can't remember a few things. The loaf of bread stands out though, because I literally was on a bread eater, but I just wanted to make sure we had some sort of sustenance, something to give energy if we needed it. And, you know, we ate that over the couple of days um, moving forward. And then we got in the car and we drove and we drove to a city called Nagoya, which was about a six hour drive, I think about 400 kilometers further west. And, you know, so at this point, I'm like six or 700 kilometers as the crow flies from Fukushima. And I decided, okay, 
I guess this is where we can kind of stop and see what's going on. So we got a hotel and my friend Hank was there with his his um, partner at the time. And we uh, we met up with them, my wife and, and son and I. And he was, you know, not even three years old. And it's like, okay, what do we do? And so we camped out there. And we spent the next three nights in a hotel there. And, and I spent three days trying to figure out what to do next. Because uncertainty. So... At that point, it was quite similar to a lot of the kind of things we see today on a global scale. If you're spending any time on the internet, which those of you who aren't are probably a little more sane than those who are, to be honest. There's a lot of stuff out there that can cause a lot of stress. And so what I mean by this is at that time, you know, the, the day early days after Fukushima and even still now to some degree, you could go on the internet and you could find a website claiming that there was nothing to worry about there was no nuclear radiation coming out 99.9999% of the radiation that escaped had escaped within the first you know few minutes or few hours or whatever and it all gone east out into the ocean wasn't coming towards people and there's nothing to worry about and there was just a tiny trickle coming along that they were trying to deal with or you know you could find another website and not even have to dig any deeper that says Fukushima is dumping radiation at unrecorded amounts in human history and it's going to cause unprecedented levels of cancer and we're all going to die you know just the worst catastrophic projections that you could ever imagine and everything in between so (laughs) how do you make a decision with that you know you're navigating through literally entirely completely diametric opinions that are both backed up by links scientists doctors and people who are claiming with the full veracity of their entire belief as a human being that what they're saying is correct and anyone else saying anything else is wrong (laughs) you know you find both sides of that and if you only look for one side well it's like you kind of feel a little better because everyone you're reading about is saying the same thing and you kind of feel like okay well what i'm saying is justified but if you're the kind of person like me who's a little objective you're reading both sides you're like ah (laughs) and then you also have because people have these opinions backed by well belief but also desperation of hope they cling to these opinions and attach their person um almost their worth to it their self-worth like that they're arguing and so at the time so that there's a word for foreigner in japanese i believe i've addressed it on this podcast before but i'll say it again it's called gaijin it's a little coarse I don't like to use it in public all that often, public company. Um, you know, it's one I'll throw around with friends and, you know, in the right circumstances because there's a time and place with everyone, for everything. I don't even like how I said that in a bad way because it's, so it's even got its use in a time and a place. But um, it, anyways, gaijin means outside person. Uh, While well, they came up with a moniker in the English community in Japan at the time called a flyjin you know fly away and so it was a pejorative meaning to flee so it was those who escaped to japan and didn't stick around to show solidarity um with the japanese people and so now you have people are saying you you know stand around show solidarity we have an economy to support once this all comes back and people are homeless and you know the tsunami to recover from that you know that's very fair but you also have people some people who feel like there are outsiders in a community that doesn't accept them and there's radiation and who you know what is the you know how do you be brave to radiation radiation doesn't care how brave you are 
So we're dealing not just with uh, facts. Well, facts. I say facts because what were the facts? But, uh, 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 you know, just a crazy amount of internet that makes it so hard to understand what to do with people who are telling you you're wrong, whatever you choose to do. Talk about uncertainty. How do you decide what to do? And so you add that. I'm, uh, how old was I? You know, early 30s man with a young family and a young child that I don't want to get cancer and, but a new business that I'm just trying to start. What do you do? And, um, I stayed in, um, in Nagoya for three nights. Well, I got some offers to come and stay with people in, you know, in Canada and various places around the world. I count myself very fortunate that I have, you know, family and friends that love me enough to offer open their, be willing to open their homes to, uh, me and my wife, who they hadn't met, and a young child, which is not an easy thing, especially if you don't know that young child very well. Like, I'm talking people that I knew around the world that hadn't met my kid yet. Um, and I got offers of money, like straight up money. I had uh, a couple friends. I want to give a shout out. I'll give a shout out in spirit to them. I'm thinking of you and you know who you are. Um, I'm not going to say it publicly because I don't like to get acknowledged for that kind of thing myself. But, you know, a couple of you can't offer to just give me straight up money, cash to deal with that. And I wanted to take it. It's hard to say no when that's happening. I had just enough. And honestly, I was in a fairly financially precarious position for a couple of years after that um, because of that. But, uh, you know, it's, humans are awesome in times of trouble. And, you know, the world stepped up at that point and really, like, put together a... Uh, you know, charity drives and everything. My my stepdad, like, was... He owned a, sh a screen printing shop at the time to do shirts. And he was screen printing shirts for the Tsunami Relief Fund and donated the the profits, or maybe even the revenue, I don't remember, um, to the Tsunami Relief Fund or whatever. So it was just an amazing time. But And so people personally opened up to me. And in the end, um, I because I'm just a fortunate person in life, I have been lucky enough to have been born into a fairly decent, you know, not the most decent of means because we weren't well when I was young. We weren't prosperous. So my mom worked hard and struggled, and she was a single mother. But a, a country of, of opportunity. I was, I was born into... Uh, you know, plenty of opportunity and support so, and also emotional support from my family. So because I was had that and I, I have been able to get out in the world and meet people, my family has also been able to get out. So my brother who was living in Spain, well still does, um, with his, his wife and his family and their parents owned uh, a place next door that they didn't live in full time. It was their summer place kind of thing that was open and they opened up their home to us. So we actually got to go stay in Spain for a month and uh, evacuate so now we're in spain we're we're the fly gin, or i'm the fly gin. my wife and kid of course were japanese so they're not gaijin to be able to be fly gin. but i'm a fly gin. but I, I did what i thought was right um and we caught a and looked from afar for a month but you know it was kind of nice because we were sitting on the mediterranean sea i'm drinking delicious coffee spending time with family i got to know my brother better than i'd ever known him in my life you know i got to know him as, as mutual adults um and it was it was so awesome but on the other side of that the, the country my home that i've been in for the past 11 years you know my wife's family who's now my family is there and the country's like irradiated potentially my friends are there no one knows what's happening i've got a business kind of that i'm fortunately able to sort of do remotely and you know a month 
coming up on a month because I think we bought a month ticket. It's like, okay, well, our ticket is back to Japan. Do we go back or not? And I had to make that decision in that uncertainty of just not knowing. You just can't know. You can read stuff. You can start to figure out, I think this, I think that, I think probably this. But you just can't know. And that not knowing, that uncertainty can be crippling because we live in this age of of certainty with the internet to some degree like like remember well for those of us who are gen x or boobers um we'll remember i don't know if i have any boomers listening to this podcast i hope i do or i hope someday a boomer listens to this i love you guys you're my parents um but uh you know, for those of us who were around before, I can remember having arguments with friends as kids because you'd be like, this is something. And they'd be like, no, that's something. And we'd you'd argue a fact and it would be like, you'd end up, it, sometimes they'd break a relationship or sometimes it would take you like, oh, you know, days or weeks to recover from it. Whereas now, you know, I've joked around with uh, my friend, uh, shout out Devron in Yokohama. You know, we've joked around so many times that, you know, as we started to almost get into like that, like, what the hell are we doing? We got the internet, you know, Siri will tell you in two seconds. I got to be careful not to say that too loud or my phone's going to cut off this video and it's going to kick in. Um, but yeah, you could find out the answer to whatever in seconds. And then you don't need to have these relationship destroying arguments over something stupid like, like, um, say, a rule in a card game or something like that, right? So... That's taken away a lot of uncertainty, which has led to things like arguments and anger on the internet. And and we've lost that ability to be uncertain about things because you can go, you can find out, is the shop open before you get there? Are my friends going to be there? Like, I remember being an, another anecdote from being a child. So Kamloops, again, behind me for all you viewers versus the listeners. Um... Kamloops is about three and a half hour drive. Well, when I was a young kid, it was like a five and a half or six hour drive from Vancouver. And uh, before Expo 86, before they opened the faster highway. And so we'd be going to meet someone in Vancouver. I remember my mom would phone in the morning, 10 a.m. Yeah, we'll be at this McDonald's at this intersection between like 3.30 or 4. Meet us there around then, you know, 3.34. And sometimes we wouldn't get there until 5 if traffic was really bad. And it would just be like you just go and they sometimes would have been there for half an hour before us or we'd wait half an hour for them you know it wasn't certain we didn't have and you couldn't just text someone as you're pulling 15 minutes away and they'd show up you know it was just a different world now we have so much certainty you can find out what's being sold exactly how much it costs you know you could get it cheaper somewhere else you couldn't and uh but that also creates uncertainty. It creates that, what do they call that? The fear of missing out, FOMA. I don't know if it's the same thing, but it's like, yeah, I guess it probably kind of is when you buy something and then you wonder, was it the cheapest? And so they try and allay those fears with those kind of things. If you find out oh, a cheaper price within a month, we'll match it. You know, they just, everyone's trying to do everything and you, we get so much certainty. So in times like this, now I'm going to bring it back to where we are. Times like this, with COVID, with uncertainty, where the world has definitely changed. This is like a 9-11 style event where it, it, it will, we don't know what it's going to be like after this. The world is going to be a different thing, though. We're going to be able to mark this as a before and after style event for the entire planet. Um, we don't know where it's going to go. And we don't know what we got to do. And we're all making decisions. All of us. Everyone's got to make decisions. Some people's decision is... Do I leave the house 
do I meet with my children and my grandchildren? Some people's decision is, do I wear a mask at work? Some people's decision is, do I argue with this asshole I don't agree with because he says he need a mask and I don't believe it? Fair enough. Well, it's not fair. I like to be a tolerant person, so I say fair enough. I like to look for the middle. I don't necessarily agree with that viewpoint, but there are other viewpoints in the world. Um, you know, the point is, is we're all trying to make decisions without any certainty. And one thing I do know is that there are a lot of people who are certain and there are other people who are also certain and they both believe that other person who's equally as certain as they are is wrong. It's certainly wrong. So my decision doesn't really matter. I'm going to talk about it insofar as because I'm going to, again, use my own experiences to to talk about people as general but I mean my own personal decision is quite irrelevant as to what everyone else is facing in the world but I, I mean I have to go out because I did just have a health issue in the last couple of months which probably makes me at higher risk then I balance it the other side of it is I'm very healthy and active I have been um, I've been eating like you know healthy food for months now taking vitamin C vitamin D um, on a mostly vegetable based diet. So on that regards, I'm probably a little less, um, what's the word at risk than other people, or, you know, that haven't been as fortunate as I am to be able to eat as healthy as I have been able to. Um, and so, but I'm with, I'm living with my parents right now who are also very healthy. I mean, for their age, they're definitely, um, you know, still, I mean, very young and healthy. I mean, they're, they're both very active. They golf, they cycle, they work. My, my father works, um, you know, and they eat healthy and they do stuff and they're very cognitively aware. So, but they're elderly. Um, in particular, my father, my stepfather, he's a, he's an elderly male and that's an at-risk group. So, my first decision, do I stay home or do I leave the home? Well, I got this op offer in Kelowna, so I have a place where I can go. Um, you know, and it's a place I would like to go because it's beautiful in the summer. But at this, I'm not necessarily at the point in life where, where I'd like to is a huge consideration on how things go. The other thing I got to look at is where I need to go. And, you know, I've got to make money. Just like a lot of people in the world, and unfortunately, I do have a profession where I can work from home, so I don't have to leave the home. Um, and I can make enough money to live if I go out there and work, but that, where I'm at personally in life is that I've been spent, I've just spent the last three years, I can't remember how much I talked about this on the podcast. I know I said I set a goal, and I talked about my goal, so I'll talk about it a bit. Um, I've been spending the last three years working on a podcast platform. And actually, this podcast you're either listening or watching is hosted on my podcast platform. If you go to friendly-outsider.com, which is the URL for this podcast, it's uh, you see the friendly the friendlyoutsider.com website. But that is actually just an account on my podcast platform, which will be called Podcast Ease, or at least that's a, a tentative um, working title that I might bleep out, actually. Might have to bleep that one out. Um, but anyways, I have a platform. And so I'm about to bring beta testers on. And what happens, people will create an account on my platform. And then they're able to host a podcast and do everything like 
do all the social media marketing. They can have a standalone website, the same as mine, without having to know how to build a website. They don't have to know how to build the, the RSS feed that feeds out the podcast to people. They don't need to know how to do anything. My system does it all for them. Um, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, logging in, editing, filling in the values, going and creating accounts on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and et cetera, et cetera. So, my next step is to write a business plan and to find investors. And the thing about finding investment is, I, you know, part of part of my marketing plan all along has been to go off the well, both to use this podcast to promote the fact that my my platform can host a podcast and to show a very clear working example of it, which I'm doing right now. But also to uh, you know to sell to sell my platform based somewhat on my personality my ability to network and bring people in and and to sell the idea of how podcasting is awesome especially at this time of covid where a lot of people are going to be socially distancing for a few years to come some people forever you know I, i think some people may not ever stop i think podcasting is a way to bring us all together in a way that even if we're not physically together we can be uh, emotionally together and podcast i've listened to a whack of podcasts in the past few months Woo-wee. and there's been a lot more podcasts started in the past few months that didn't exist so i think podcasts are a great thing but so part of it um of my business plan has been to get out there and network in person well, not doesn't necessarily have to be in person, but my personality is a lot of my my business strategy. I mean, I'm letting you guys in on you know it wasn't necessarily something I was gonna get out there and, and sell as a thing, but it, it's been my plan all along. And now there's COVID season, so I've got this decision: like, do I get a job? It's the safe thing to do. It's the stable thing to do, but it does not move me forward for my family or my long term goals at all. But it puts me to risk. Do I go out? Do I go to Kelowna where there's a lot more money and I can potentially work with my personality to find people who who can share my dream with me and hopefully invest and we can make money and a future together off my platform? You know, do I go out and do that or do I, you know, there are ways to do it online, which I will also be, you know, working on. But uh, how do you decide? And the simple answer is, I mean, there isn't one. There is no simple answer. There's no simple answer for anyone right now. No one. Now, I've made a decision as to what I'm going to do, and I'll get to that in a second, but that's kind of what I'm going to do is sort of the epilogue. As I said, my own personal situation is kind of irrelevant. It's just uh, it's more of um, like a, a framework on which to, to talk about the ideas I'm talking about in this episode of the podcast. Um, so, But I just wanted to talk about that idea of uncertainty and, you know, one thing I really, really learned from the whole earthquake thing and the tsunami thing and, and having to make a decision in that time of uncertainty is I do not criticize other people's decisions that they made in that time. And I do not criticize the decisions people are making now. We just don't know. And, there, and now I can criticize the actions of some people right now. And I do. But I also try to temper that with understanding as to why they're acting in the way they are. Not, you know, some people are assholes. There's no doubt about that. Um, and some people that's been enhanced by, by the, well, let's be straight up, the panic of this all. Um, and even if you're thinking coherently, like living in a in a, an environment of group panic, which we all are, um, 
So I don't want to criticize how anyone is do or what anyone's doing. And I try to criticize, temper my criticism with understanding because right now this is a time which I think uh, compassionate serves us as a, compassion serves us as a race better than, than anger. It really does. I mean, look at what's happening in America right now. It makes, makes my heart bleed. Like, I'm on a Canadian Pride tour right now. I love this country. Look at this behind me. Like, my neighbors are burning down in anger and hatred. I hate that. It's not where I wanted this podcast to go. So how hard is that to make a decision to go out and walk on the streets to protest for the right to be able to just walk along the street and stay alive when that action of protest can kill you? That, I mean, they have to be certain that protesting is what they want to do. You know, that's a certain, that's a dedication. And um, it's unfortunate that it's taken anger to breathe that so let's have compassion for those who are doing that. And even for those who, you know, feel that that's the wrong thing to do or those that can't do that or, or whatever. Let's just have some compassion for each other. So uh, getting back to, you know, dealing with uncertainty and making decisions, I guess uh, maybe the conclusion I can come to is, is sort of like... When I made that decision, so in the end, uh, well, let's go back to the conclusion of what I decided with the with the Japan thing. I mean, I stayed there for 17 years, so I guess it's probably fair to clear I went back at some point. But I decided to go back at the end of that month um, with my wife and my child to my country that was under like rolling blackouts of electricity because they shut down all the nuclear power plants and and potential radiation. And still, uh, you know, it was only a month in, we were still like rebuilding. Like, totally. They're still rebuilding. But, I mean, it was, like, the immediate rebuild at that point. And I decided to go back. I sorted through and I felt that, well, as best I can tell with my Google Foo ability, (laughs) you know, which is not much to say. But I think there probably is, well, there is definitely some radiation still coming out. I don't think it's coming in my direction. Um, One thing I did know about watching plenty of typhoons roll through Japan over the years was they always rolled from the southwest to the northeast, kind of like across from a western to eastern thing and then out to the ocean, which Fukushima was on the east coast. And therefore, if, if... if you could make the assumption, which I can make it, whether it's correct or not, but, but that wind currents generally go from southwest to east, then Fukushima's on the east coast. That means any radiation is ideally blowing out to the east. I don't know. I, I kind of took in considerations like that, and I took the family back. And, you know, even now, nine years later, was that the right decision to make? I don't know. Am I going to get cancer in a few years? And if I do, will I ever know if that came from Fukushima? Who knows? So even now, I still don't have certainty from that decision, but I made the decision I had to make. I did it. Or I shouldn't say that. I made the decision I made and I did it. And what I learned, I mean, I kind of knew it before that, but what I I really sort of solidified in my brain at that point, which COVID is really showing to me now, which, you know, talking to my mom yesterday, I found out it's kind of a Buddhist philosophy and I didn't fully realize, is that all you can... or 
Am I gonna phrase this all you can or all I can? Talk about me. You can do whatever you do. All I can really do is make the best decision I can make with the information I have at any given time. And I can try and stack the deck and get as much information as possible with the most qualified information. But basically, when all's said and done, I just got to look at what I know and kind of what I feel based on what I know and make an educated decision based on my gut instinct. And you know what? Sometimes that's going to be wrong. And, uh... But that's all I can do. And in holding that opinion that that's all I can do, because maybe, I bet you there's people who would disagree with me and say there's more that can be done. Um, and so in the, being of the opinion that all I can do is make the best decision I can with what I've got at any given time. Um, you know, I can always go back and look back in hindsight and look at, well, after I have more information, well, how could that decision have made better? What clues could I have used to have made a better decision had I realized that at the time? But I don't regret decisions now that I make at the time if they're doing what I just really think was best. You know, if I really at that point, not just best, but well, by best, I mean right and best for my family and best for my finances or whatever. And, and you know, sometimes that's an objective practical thing where the best decision unfortunately means hurting someone or taking on risk that uh, other people might think is unacceptable risk. Like say for right now in COVID season, going outside and, and, and talking to other people. Um, I, you know, I like to look back and reflect on now that I have more information, how, you know, in the future, if I were to come up with something similar, how could I make an even better decision than I made that time? But I personally have found emotional satisfaction in learning to be accepting of the decisions I made at the given time, even if they were wrong in retrospect, because in times of uncertainty, all I can do is all I can do. All I could do is the, the best I can do with what I got. And that's how I feel. And I guess that's basically my thoughts to you guys. I really hope everyone's doing okay out there. Well, no, that's a, that's a silly comment. Not everyone is doing okay. It's a rough world out there. I hope you guys can maybe find some solace in the words I've said. I guess that's what I want to say. You know, um, to find some sol or, or some food for thought that can maybe make you help you sleep a little easier tonight, maybe with a, a difficult decision you got. Um, so to, to epilogue this, because, you know, I talked a bunch about the decision I got to make. My decision is that I'm, I'm leaving for July. I'm going to go to Kelowna and I'm opening up a lot of uncertainty. I am risking death. I am going out there in the world with the acceptance that, you know what, this decision might end up in my death. And that's a horrible decision to make insofar as that I have a wife and a child that are dependent upon me and parents that love me and siblings that love me and friends that will miss me. And, and to take that on as a risk is uh, it's a heavy one. But I also look at what my circumstance is. I, I'm at this point where I'm, I'm in my mid forties. And if I don't make this business plan work that I have right now, it's kind of my last effort. And if it doesn't work, then I got to go. And my plan D, which is to become a company man for the rest of my life, really. Um, and, uh, you know, just try and support a family to bare minimum, but this is kind of my last 
opportunity, my last odds. Um, and I've got the, I've stacked the deck towards all this for the past year, a few years. And so I need to, what I need to do as far as I believe is to go out, take precautions, social distancing, masks, washing my hands. And then within the current environment, being as safe as I can go out and try and meet the people I can and, and be efficient and and effective in the communications I do so that I can minimize it, but hopefully find some people who who are willing to join my dream and move forward in creating a, a new podcasting empire that, that helps bring humanity together. I mean, of course, I want to make money and I want to you know finance the future of my family with this. That's important to me. But uh, what's also important to me too is that I, I actually believe in, in podcasts and what they... Like how they enable communication because you get real people who can say what they want like me no one has told me what to say here no one has any um influence or there's zero that i, I all of this has come from my own head and my, from my own decision to say this and i'm able to communicate to people out there and other people can do that and tv radio other media don't allow that, but the new age of the internet with YouTube and podcasting and stuff like that does enable that. But YouTube, you're still hosted on YouTube servers. You're up to, you know, they they control the the video. They get to choose whether you're monetized or not. So you have to live by their rules. Whereas, you know, to some degree with um, podcasts, you're hosting it and the other ones are just indexing it. And so they can take you off their index, but there's other indexes so you can get your voice out there. So... You know, I think that's a great thing for enabling people to have raw communication. And I think it's going to make us better as a species. I really do. And I guess that's how I want to finish this. You know, with that message of hope. Well, kind of launched off my own commercial success. But you know what? Even if my platform doesn't work, I'll figure out something to do. I'm a resourceful guy. I still think podcasting really is, you know, uh, it's probably gonna somehow change over time you know it's not gonna be the medium forever but right now in our current time it is a medium that is bringing many of us together in ways that we're still seeing that are still becoming um aware of and and uh i want to be part of that and that's why i'm doing this podcast because even if my platform follows through i mean i'm hoping the friend the outsider is my creative outlet so i might have to stop hosting it on my own platform and migrate it to someone else's someday if they if they build a better mousetrap but uh, I'm a friendly outsider and I want to keep talking to you guys. And if you want to listen, I'll be back to say it. Take care, guys, and best of luck in these troubling times.